0: Are you ready to unlock your full potential and transform your life? Well, Unstress Health is excited to announce the launch of their highly anticipated health and well-being programs, now available completely online via an affordable subscription. Discover the on-demand digital library packed full of cutting edge, practical health content. Learn how to implement health knowledge and advice with their educationally designed and results-driven programs presented by Dr. Ron Ehrlich and some of the greatest minds in health. Interact with health experts in exclusive live Q&A sessions, plus feel supported and encouraged to thrive with their private member Facebook group. Access this and so much more with an Unstress Health Membership designed to support and guide you on your health journey as you discover how to manage stress, improve sleep, breathe well, nourish your body, implement easy daily movement and improve your mood and well-being. Follow the link in the show notes and join Unstressed today.
1: Welcome to another Healthy Bite. My name is Dr. Ron Early. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I am recording this podcast. The Gadigal people of the Eora Nation and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Well, this week's episode, we had the rare opportunity of speaking with someone who has been very high in corporate Australia, Marvin Weinman. Now, Marvin, has been a managing director of several of Australia's largest companies, uh, Boral Building Products. Now, I'd be surprised if anybody listening to this in Australia didn't have a product from Boral in their house, uh, be it timber or laminates or, or building materials. So um, he was the managing director of Boral Building for many years. And he was also a managing director of George Western Foods. Now, I didn't have Marvin on to encourage you to consume some of the, in inverted commas, iconic brands uh, that George Western Foods produces. They are the foods that you will find predominantly in the centre aisles of the uh, supermarket. And I have at times referred to those centre aisles as the aisles of death. Uh, That's not why I spoke to Marvin. Marvin, I spoke to him because I was interested in how managing directors deal with the corporate environment and how people who are as senior in the corporate world as Marvin, what they do with their lives when they retire, when they move out of these high profile positions with all of their knowledge, all of their organizational skills, what do they do? And Marvin uh, is chairman of Outcomes Australia. Which looks at uh, various projects and rather than trying to reinvent the wheel, looks at what is best practice around the world and bring that best, best practice to Australia. Now, one such project that Marvin has undertaken, he's also chairman of Share Life, a not for profit organization that is um, really focused on organ donation. Now, organ donation is a pretty important issue. Because well, if for any reason you became serious you or any of your family or friends became seriously ill and organ failure was a problem, things like kidney lung heart um, you might uh, uh, your life their life would be saved if organs were available now it's an interesting topic this because there are two aspects to it: one is the expectation of you of me because I'm an organ donor, or I thought I was. I am a dual organ donor. Well, many Australians, including myself, are committed to donation. We have really high organ donation registrations, meaning I've ticked on my license, on my on my uh, Medicare uh, form that I have um, I will donate my organ should I die. There is remarkably high funding for organ donations. So you would feel I would feel rather reassured. So if I had an organ failure and needed a transplant, I will receive one. Australia is saving lives of most people needing transplants. That's that's my expectation. Well, there's another aspect to it, and that is the reality. What is the reality? Well, the realization is that high registration has not led to high donation in Australia. Australia are the low donor uh, per international benchmarks. People are dying unnecessarily. So I think because I and many Australians have been I've put registered as being an organ donor, I will probably receive one if I need one. Or if I die, my organs will go to save someone else's lives. The government has um, has has uh, allocated literally hundreds of millions of dollars for this to occur. And you would be right in assuming that if something happened, you'll be right. She'll be right, mate. Well, unfortunately, um, that is simply not the case. And I am very proudly now part of this Share Life not for profit organisation to raise awareness of this and this is Marvin, you know, Marvin has really taken a lead role in this with a, a very interesting and diverse group of some wonderful people on the Share Life Committee. And there's a quiz which I'm going to give links to, uh, which are five questions. And those five questions are, and I'm not going to give you the answer to them, but I'm going to give you the questions. And the first question is, what percentage of people survive more than five years after receiving an organ transplant in Australia. What percentage? Well, I'll give you a hint, and that is organ transplant is a very successful operation. Now, interestingly, in 2008, Prime Minister Kevin Rudd recognized the need to transform organ transplantation rates in Australia. And he announced $150 million in funding over a three and a half year period to enable Australia to lead the world in organ donation. Roll the clock on three years and we're out there as world leaders. That was the hope. Now, the newly established Organ and Tissue Authority, OTA, was legislated to manage the budget and uh, program delivery. And since 2009, the federal government has now spent six hundred and fifty million dollars over the last 13 years, and their goal was to increase annual donation rates. Now, donation rates. So uh, that is an interesting one, because although you may have registered as a donor, until you die, um, you're or you are not officially an organ donor. So uh, the rate at the time that Kevin Rudd um, allocated those funds were twelve donations per million. Now twelve donations per million. And the best practice around the world is a rather sobering, 35 donations per million, or at least it was in 2009. Now, my next question to you would be and second question is, has Australia achieved that target of 35 donors per million of the population? So we have 25 million people. Now, I'll do the maths for you. If we reached a donation rate of 35 donors per million of the population, we would end up with 875 organ donations per year. Doesn't seem terribly high, does it? I would have thought it'd be much, much higher than that. But anyway, my question is: have we in Australia, after allocating 650 million people, oh million dollars, um, have we reached that level of eight hundred and seventy-five organ donations a year? Second question that was. Now, a little bit of background here. As I said, Australia has a population of twenty five point nine million. That's as of twenty twenty two census. And of those twenty five million people, eight and a half million have registered on the Australian Organ Donator Register to donate their organs. So a third of the population, a third of the population, Australia's population of twenty five million, have registered as organ donors. So that's that's really. Fantastic. Now, here's a sobering statistic. Each year from that population of 25 million, about 167,000 people die in Australia every year from various causes. Heart disease is the number one killer, cancer number two, diabetes, autoimmune conditions, car accidents, suicides. Yes, COVID plays a role too, Um, but 167,000 people die in Australia every year, year on year. It's around that figure. It's been around that figure for for many years. Now, if you think that a third of the Australian population has registered as organ donors, you would assume that of the 167,000 that died, a third of those would be organ donors, which would amount to about fifty-five thousand organ potential organ donors per year. Okay, so you're still with me on the maths. A third of Australia's population are organ donors. A third of the people who die would be potential organ donors. So around fifty to fifty-five thousand potential donors per year in Australia. My third question to you is, and and I'll have the links so you can fill this out because we really in share life want you to fill this out. We need to know what the Australian population knows. How many of people how many of people donated their organs following their death in Australia in 2021? What is your um, what is your estimate? How many of those, let's say, 50,000 uh, organ donors who ticked the box like you and me, perhaps, well, like I did. Um, how many organs were donated from those 55,000 potential donors. That's question number three. Question number four. Now, here's an interesting statistic about kidney donations, for example. Now, there are approximately 14 and a half thousand people with kidney failure requiring dialysis in Australia as of 2020. Now, that's 14 and a half thousand people requiring kidney dialysis. Now, that is being hooked up to a kidney dialysis machine probably three times a week for several hours a day. I mean, it's a huge impact on a person's life. It's a huge impact on their life and cost to the community. Each person costs eighty five thousand dollars a year to be on that dialysis machine. So that means every year, one hundred and twenty million dollars is spent on fourteen and a half thousand people getting dialysis so uh, now it's important to know not everybody is healthy enough to have a kidney donation so of those fourteen and a half thousand not everyone is healthy enough to be able to get a kidney a kidney transplant but thirty five percent of people or 4,800 people on dialysis are healthy enough. How many of those people do you think are on the kidney transplant waiting list? So 4,800 of the 14,500 people on kidney dialysis are healthy enough to have a transplant. How many people are on that kidney transplant waiting list? list. That's question four. Question five. Countries that top the International League table have consistent family consent rates of approximately 85 percent. What is Australia's family consent rates? Now, this is an important topic because even though I have ticked this box, um, I've had a conversation with my family to make it clear that that is my wish. So to, you know, this is a very emotive time if people are hanging by a thread or being on life support system and the decision is to switch it off or to keep them on life support system long enough to organise an organ transplant. These are really emotional times for families and very difficult times to be making decisions like this. So I do think it's it's a discussion which is a difficult one to have But it may save your family's life. It may save your life. It may save someone else's life. But it's important to have that conversation so that family consent rates um, can be as high as 85 percent. And the last question here is, what is Australia's consent rate? So a lot of people have donated or, or ticked the box that they will be donating their organs. A lot of money has been spent to ensure that that will happen. But sadly, the, the facts tell a different story. And that is what Share Life is all about. I'm very proud to be associated with it and to try to make Australia a leader in the world in this very important area. We're going to have links to that questionnaire uh, on the show notes. So please, I encourage you to spend just two or three minutes and fill that out, because this is important. We need to get this message to government and to organisations and find out how we can make best practice happen. And I thank Marvin Weinman and Outcomes Australia, and I'm proud to be part of the ShareLife team, um, and I hope we can make a difference. I hope this finds you well. Until next time, this is Dr Ron Ehrlich. This podcast provides general information and discussion about medicine, health and related subjects. The content is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice or as a substitute for care by a qualified medical practitioner. If you or any other person has a medical concern, he or she should consult with an appropriately qualified medical practitioner. Guests who speak in this podcast express their own opinions, experiences and conclusions.